ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Insight with Lala, Anonymous Phenomenon Roundtable Part 6. Hello, Gary. Hello, Penny Band. How's everybody doing tonight? Hello, CJ. Rebecca's in the house. Xander. Hello there. Hello, everybody. Hello, Lala. How are you doing tonight? Very good. Wonderful. I'm excited. It's going to be a very alien show tonight. Gene Hutchins in the house. Well, hello, everybody that's sliding in to the evening show. Uh, she's got one heck of a lineup here. We've got some guests, don't we? Earl Gray, Susan Alloway, and Richard. I'm not going to say his last name because I know I'm going to mess it up. Well, let's bring them all in and welcome everybody. Everybody, welcome to the show. Earl, Richard, and Susan, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing good. How are you? Welcome, That's Mr. Everybody. Richard Benaziak. Yeah, down thank here. you. I knew I was going right to Right underneath me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So to, uh, start with uh, Mr. Earl Gray there. Uh, introduce yourself. Go around and do introductions. Sure. Um, I'm Earl Gray Anderson. I'm MUFON's state director of Southern California, and I'm also an executive committee member of MUFON's Experiencer Resource Team, the ERT. And we deal with uh, exclusively helping experiencers uh, kind of wrap their heads around what they've gone through and uh, live a beautiful and uh, fulfilling life after having a strange, strange anomalous experience. And that's, I'm proud of being able to say I do that. Now, didn't you say in the green room that you teach a class? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that too. I, <laughs> I have a few hats. I, uh, I teach a class, actually it's accredited course in ufology at uh, Los Angeles's uh, beautiful college, uh, Otis College of Art and Design. Uh, it's right next door to Los Angeles Airport, LAX. Uh, you, you, I, I drive into work and I can see that Gigely architecture, you know, that restaurant that kind of looks like a flying saucer. That, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I mean, I ate there a couple times when I was a kid, but uh, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to teach this class. I teach it with a PhD folklorist by the name of Heather Joseph Witham who uh, is, she is a folklorist, but she believes the UFO phenomenon is a very real uh, thing. So uh, it's it's uh, kind of an amazing, one-of-a-kind class, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to do that, too. So. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Susan, come on down. <laughs> um, my name is Susan Alloway, and... Um, I'm a lifelong experiencer. I've never said that before, so this is the first time. Wow. Um, I'm an artist, grandma, just a regular old gal, retired, veteran, all kinds of things. But um, I met Earl and Lala in my, recently, in this last year, because I finally told my story. It was written up in a book by Preston Dennett. Um, and through that, I met Earl because I called MUFON and Earl got my case. 
and he assigned it to Richard, who is coming up next. <laughs> That's the investigator for MUFON, and he blew me away, the things that he found, because my case was from 1978, and, you know, oh, who would wow. think? But there's all kinds of things that went on um, that same day in the same area, and all that showed up through MUFON, and these guys kind of brought it forward, so... That's why I'm here to talk about that. And, well, awesome. Um, nice to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And Sir Richard, your turn. Yeah. Hello. My name is Richard Banasek. Um, I am a MUFON investigator. I work under uh, Earl in Southern California, which is where I live. I'm a retired police officer. Um, and I've always had a uh, fascination with ufology, but not only ufology, science fiction. I'm a big Star Trek fan, so I think probably like a bunch of us, that's where it started. And I was blessed enough to meet some people who were involved with the Explorer Project and some other things living in Southern California. So I, I just, I really like the subject. I like the, uh, the many aspects of it. And like Earl and all of us who do it, it's all about people. And so it's interesting to talk about it. And it's interesting to learn about their experiences, and I was happy to do that with Susan. So thank you for having me. Well, thank Mr. You. Richard, I can tell you this point. As being a retired captain detective, I bet you got some outstanding reports that you turn in. So I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you it. for your service. So yes, thank sir. you. La La, it's all you now. Take it away. Okay, I have a question I always ask. What is the most memorable or extreme experience or case you've heard of or have been through in your whole life it could be paranormal it could be alien it could be anything you want to start mr earl gray yeah. oh sure well um i actually had an experience myself uh i oh. uh after I joined MUFON, I, I, I had a face-to-face -face, uh, with our little gray guys. <laughs> My wife was involved, and she didn't want to have anything to do with it. I, I sort of didn't either. I, I mm -hmm. was hoping uh, if I ever met those guys, that it would be Valiant Thor or, you know, one of the, <laughs> the, the, right. the, you know, the nicer guys from Star Trek. Speaking of Star Trek there, mm -hmm. Richard. Um, but... Uh, but it made quite an impact on my life and it confused me. And uh, I, it was, wow. Uh, it, you have to look at this whole phenomenon differently uh, after you've had uh, uh, your own experience. And uh, a lot of people were very nuts and bolts about the phenomenon that I knew and that I worked with and hung out with. And, and uh, but Kathleen Martin, and, and Peter Robbins as well. I think the first person I spoke with uh, after it happened was Peter Robbins, who worked with, uh, you know, he, he worked with Bud Hopkins back in the 80s and, and uh, was one of the early pioneers in experiencer work. And, uh, but the most helpful of all was Kathleen Martin, who uh, met me for lunch and we spoke for about an hour or so. And just there was something cathartic about talking about my experience, having somebody listen to me without eye rolling or, yeah. you know, because there's there's a ridicule factor to this phenomenon. 
And uh, after about an hour, I, I, I was so happy. And I just said, you know, Kathleen, I might want to join the, you know, MUFON's experience or resource team myself. And, uh, you know, how can I get an interview? And she said, well, what do you think you've been doing the last hour, silly? You know, welcome <laughs> to the ERT. <laughs> and and uh, that that's kind of, you know, what made the difference for me. So that there you go. I mean, I can't I can't outdo that one. Wow. Thank you. I've seen a couple yeah. of UFOs, but that's, you know, that, it, that was extraordinary in its own way. Right. But uh, a face-to-face, -face, it changes the game. What about you, Richard? You know, I, I've always had a, a fascination. Uh, I, I spent part of my younger years in Miami and, and in Panama City and, and uh, some of the places around there in Florida. And um, I've seen potentially some UFOs. I think my biggest experience, so I have two sides. One is me studying some of the cases, not only reading, but dealing with MUFONs. Susan, by all means, is one of those very significant cases. Uh, but they also bring to light the fact that I, I think all of us, whether it's UFOs or whatever, have some interaction with the phenomenon, whatever that phenomenon mm -hmm. means. Some people call it paranormal. Some people call it spiritualism. Some people call it aliens. And, you know, um, uh, just for whatever it's worth, um, a couple of times after my, my mother-in-law passed, uh, she her phone called our home on oh. our phone. Wow. Wow. So I thought, and that didn't happen once, but that happened many times. And there is many other incidences and accounts I can tell you that I would only be able to validate those or somebody who was there with me. But it's not just me. It's all of us. We all have a con And that's the thing that's so unique about this. We all have that connection and be it through a ufology or, or, or like I said, spiritualism whatever you want to call it, it's there. And to me, that's the fascinating part about who are we really? And if we really knew who we are, it probably would blow our minds. So hopefully I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely right. agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Susan. Thank you, Thank you Richard. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm going to tell the story that they were talking about because I've had quite a few, but this was by far the, most incredible um and i wanted to say hey to preston because i saw preston in the chat room i'm really glad you're there <laughs> he's the one that published this like this is the first time i i came out and then he had me on the show so this is only the second time i've spoken about it but um wow. i got out of the navy on uh, september 14th in 1978 and my best friend and i decided to drive across country and it just so happens that one of the officers um, in my squadron, or in at NAS, North Island, in San Diego, asked me if I would drive his car for him to North Carolina instead of our car because he needed it delivered there because he was getting out of the service. He already had two other cars and his wife, and he would both be driving, so he was trying to figure out how to get that. And it was a brand new Volvo, so we were like, yeah, you know, can we put a deadhead sticker on it? I remember asking that, and he said, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and um, so we were thrilled, and he gave us $1,500 cash to get across country. So we just knew we were going to have a really good time because right. we didn't have to really pay for it. And, you know, in 1978, that takes you across country a couple times. 
So we took off from um, Imperial Beach where we lived, and I had it was the day that the, the morning after I got out of the service, and we headed uh, first to Flagstaff in just meandering, having a good time. We had gone um, <clears throat> to AAA before. You know, back then you used to get something called a triptych, and it was a book and a couple routes that you could take. And we had right. one of our truck driver friends, you know, had put the best route for us on there, some good ideas, because he knew, because he drove through there all the time. So we had an idea where we were going, but no set plans. And we went through Flagstaff, and then we hit the south rim of the Grand Canyon and the north rim and all the fun stuff a little east of the Grand Canyon, you know, like the Flintstone Mobile and, you know, all those fun things. And uh, we went through St. George, and then we stopped in Cedar City to get gas. And it was right about 9 o'clock, right before everything closed. And there really was pretty much nobody on the road. But then again, in 1978, people didn't travel for work like they do now. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we took off into the night. It was right around 9 o'clock. We had only gone maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes or 15 miles north on, on Interstate 15 North, which was only two lanes then. It's four lanes now, but it was only two lanes then. And we were going to connect uh, with 70 and go across. So we're just bebopping down the road, and we were excited because it was a full moon that night, and... This, the moon came up over the mountain ridge to the east of us. There was also a mountain ridge to the, the west of us. And we were cutting down through a passage. And we were all excited because the moon was up. And then, you know, we got a little adventurous. Let's turn the lights off and drive in the desert with the lights off. And we did that. So we were kind of blinking on and off the lights. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling Karen about... I, I remember saying to her and telling her about, I hope we get to see some jackrabbits because that same year I had seen jackrabbits out in the desert and they were kind of fascinating, but I didn't really remember anything except quick, you know, like right across and that was it. But I did mention it to her and we were laughing about that, blinking the lights, driving. We had Steely Dan on really loud and it was just us driving through the desert, driving north. And um, all of a sudden, I noticed what the moon just came up. It just got really dark, and there was no moon. The moon just, it just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And the sky was really dark, so the stars kind of disappeared too. And it really bothered me because I had this weird, strange feeling, and I remember we were, you know, like looking up through the windshield, and I was hanging out the side window, and... And I, I remember saying, you know, maybe we need to find a pullover or something and see where that moon went because it's not had time to come up and go down. It had only been maybe 15, 20 minutes. And we were just north of Cedar City, Utah. And then all of a sudden, Karen stopped in the road. Not on the side of the road, but in the road on the highway. And in front of us were jackrabbits giant jackrabbits not like anything I had in my mind that when I said I wanted to see jackrabbits 
And I don't know why, but when we stopped, we just opened the doors and got out in the pitch black with just the headlights shining wow. in front of us on the highway. And I remember holding her hand. And that tells me I was still in my mind somehow. But yet, it was so warpy because there was no moon, no stars, and there were jackrabbits in the road. But why did we stop? And why are we standing there looking at them? Because they're only about 10 feet, maybe 15 feet away from us. And they're big, like big, three feet tall, big. Whoa. And then, it, in, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in a split second, um, the music stopped, the car turned off, the lights turned off, and it was pitch black, and then this huge white light came from above that was the whitest light I've ever seen. I think that my eyes have been sensitive since that, that night. They've always been sensitive. Mm. And the jackrabbits that were in front of us, they just, they, they turned like this, they went, they were all looking away from us, and this is, they turned just like this, and next thing you know, they were all staring at us. Their eyes were gigantic, and they weren't jackrabbits, they were gray aliens, and it took me all 45 years to say that word, they were gray aliens. They were jackrabbits until they were not jackrabbits, and their eyes were so tremendous, I remember the moon and the stars were in their eyes. And here it was total silence. And then the last thing I remember is swinging my arm to catch Karen like you would a sack of groceries. You know, if you step on the brakes really quick, you swing your arm over. Well, we weren't even mothers then, but that, I, and I've still tried to figure it out. But here we are in Cedar City standing in the road with alien greys. And the next thing we know, we woke up in a diner asleep with our heads down in Grand Junction, Colorado. Oh, my God. Nine and a half hours later. And all we could do is just look at each other. It was the strangest look I'll never forget. almost makes me want to cry. Total loss of words, total loss of memory except that except some really scary ones I, I remember that i was falling from the sky and it kept flashing in my head and flashing in my head that i was falling i think i sent you a picture of me just falling from the sky mm -hmm. and uh karen and i looked at each other and what woke us up was that the, the waitress just patted my shoulder and she said it's time to wake up honey and, you know, I looked at her like, who are you and why are you here? But then I look around like, where are we? And Karen, Karen's like, where are we and why are we here? And um, the sun was coming up. It, it was 628 in the morning. I could see the clock, but I asked her, what time is it and where are we? And she said, Grand Junction, Colorado. And she said, you know, can I get you anything? And I asked her, how long have we been here? And she said, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes. And did you see us drive in? Because the car was parked outside the big windows. You could see our car. But we had wow. no recollection whatsoever how we got there. Yeah. And I remember hot wind. Of course, it was September and it was in the desert. But 
hot, really like furnace wind, and I remember my hair, you know, blowing all up, and um, and then we woke up. So you know, I, I, we just don't know. We just had no idea how we got there, and we couldn't speak about it because when we tried to talk about what had happened, we would go. You know, and the words would not come out. The, it just blocked. It was like something, the weirdest feeling I've ever had in my life. Like something literally stopped it. It stopped the thought. And then when the thought continued, it wouldn't come out your mouth. So I don't know how or where, how we got there. But the next thing you know, we went to a hotel because we were completely <clears throat> burned with radiation burns. Burned, like. Oh arms God. burned, neck burned, face burned, and it was starting to blister. It wasn't just red patches. It was white patches and blistery patches. So we went to a hotel, and all I remember about the hotel, don't remember going, don't know how we got there, don't know how we even knew about it, because it would not have been on our list of places to go. It was like an old cedar block hotel and kind of creepy feeling, but there were two beds and a shower. And I remember when we went in, I don't remember anything about the hotel except that, but I remember seeing the two beds and Karen just falling on the bed in the fetal position. And I went to take a shower and it burned me so bad because of the burns. Mm -hmm. So I remember just having a, a towel on and seeing her just kind of like rocking herself in the fetal position asleep. So I just got dressed and went over and and spooned her and just held her because I didn't want to be away from her. I didn't even want to be half an inch away from her. I just felt like that was my total lifeline. Mm -hmm. And um, and we went sound asleep, but when I woke up, I was in the other bed. So... Um, there was no talking about it because we couldn't. We tried. And, you know, do you remember anything? I remembered a whole lot more than she did. I consciously remember when I grabbed her, I'm pretty much thinking that when I did my arm thing and we were standing in the road, I, I kind of think we were moving. I think we were going up, and that's why I grabbed her. It's the only thing I could think of. And then um, after that, we just went ahead with our regular trip. But here was the other strange thing. When we started figuring out our mileage and writing it up, the car had to be lifted with us because it was missing the, the 300 and something miles, almost 400 miles, was not on no. the odometer. We still had gas in the tank. That was, when you're figuring it out and all you can, you can't talk about it, all you can do is hold the book up and show the other person and then shake your head because we couldn't speak about it. And we were. Uh oh. Oh, no. Here she comes. Oh, there she is. We're good. Okay. <laughs> and it just got. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we just kept on the trip and we were supposed to go see some friends in Denver. And I was like, nope. Not seeing friends in Denver. We just keep going. We're not, we can't talk about it. We can't go to the hospital. We can't do anything. Because if we do, it's going to change our lives forever. When we start telling, we got radiation burns and we were falling from the sky. And we had aliens in the road in Utah and ended up in Grand Junction. 
We weren't drugging and we weren't drinking. We were totally straight when this happened. But to talk to somebody about it would have, well, a lot of people have found out what happens when they, when they told back then. You have men in black and you have government people in your home and in your business. And I just kept it quiet. And Karen and I tried to talk about it. We went and visited all of our friends uh, from India. We just didn't go to Denver because we hadn't really woken up yet. I remember we went to Pikes Peak, and we went to Indiana, and we went to uh, north of Chicago. And then when I got home, um, we were both still pretty sick. We Radiation makes you really sick. And we had like every bodily function was just awful. It was just miserable. So when I got home, I remember Karen and I delivered. We visited a little while, but here, remember, we couldn't talk about it. So trying to just do the family thing but not talk about that was mind-boggling and then uh, we got Karen on the plane and she went home and, and we were roommates so she went home by herself and I stayed through the fall because I hadn't seen the fall in many years in North Carolina and it was really beautiful and during that time about a couple of days after Karen left I got very sick the worst sick and my, I was so sick that my dad, I remember, I remember holding him in his face and trying to tell him what had happened. And no. I think, yeah, I think he thought, she's lost it, you know, because I was so sick. He was having to carry me back to the back and forth to the toilet. And my stepmother was helping me. She had wrapped me in a towel. And I had a high fever. I was just delusionally sick. And I'm sure that that really upset him because he was like the perfect daddy. So he ran down, because you could do this back then, he ran down to the local drugstore and he brought back some phenobarbital, which I didn't even know what that was. But I took it because my daddy gave it to me and it kind of knocked me into a coma for two days. And when I woke up, I was well. Hmm. Still radiation burns, they were starting to peel, but... All of the awfulness and all of the pain on my right side had subsided. And I started rehydrating and I finally got a good meal in me and laid on the couch for a couple days. And we never talked about it. But I'm sure it broke his heart because I remember his face when I was trying to tell him. And he was trying to grasp it and he was crying with me. And, um, and we never talked about that again. I don't, it's kind of weird, but um, years later, so years later, no, I, well, I went back to Imperial Beach and I got married in December. So I went back in October and I had met, you know, my, my longtime husband and we had gotten married and had two kids and moved all over the place with his company. Um, we ended up moving like 27 times in 36 years of marriage. It was wow. a lot of moving. And it was always, you know, up up that ladder for him. And um, I, I kind of kept it to myself. I remember, uh, you know, Bud Hopkins wrote stuff. I, I remember getting intruders. And um, I remember Whitney Strieber's book, Communion. I, I would buy them and then hide them in my underwear drawer. <laughs> but oh the kids would always find them. You know, I didn't want the kids to see them. So I, then I just started leaving them around the house. 
And anybody that visited was always so interested that I always made sure they left with a book. Mm-hmm. So, because that was my way of getting that word out, because it was so hard to tell anybody that happened to me. And my family used to go, oh, that's mama's world, or there she goes again, telling those crazy stories. So, it's hard to deal with. It was hard to deal with that, but I just kept it quiet. And then, um, years later, I got kind of sick after I had my son in 86, and in 89, I had a hysterectomy. And the next morning, the doctor says, well, you told me you had never had surgery. And I'm like, right. And he said, well, you have a missing right ovary completely gone. And your appendix at some time has ruptured and exploded and then been folded nice and neat and completely sealed with a high heat cauterization laser. And then he said, we don't even use that. So what is this about? Oh, my God. And I remember just, you know. I thought, okay, this is where it's a good thing I'm on pain drugs right now <laughs> because I can just say, I don't know, because I was not about to say that's when I got beamed up. But I knew it had something to do with that because that's where all the pain was on that right side. Mm-hmm. So somehow that was a healing, and I'm not sure if it took place while I was gone or if it took place while I was asleep in North Carolina. But whatever it was apparently saved my life. And the doctor came back and he said, I I do have to ask this question again. You're telling me never any surgery. And I said, never any surgery. And he said, what I found inside that appendix was these little rock hard pellets that kind of look like raisins. And we have no idea what that is. Have you guys ever heard of that before inside of people? The only person. I, I had heard it one time, and it, it's um, Tom Reed. Tom Reed. Okay. He had, uh, when he said that something about a package of raisins was in him, I was I, I really want to contact him because he's the only person I've ever heard that about. So, yeah. Uh, so that story. <laughs> Thank you. Other people get healed, yeah. and I know that people have felt like the ETs have, have surgically helped them. Um, you know, I've had a few cases, one case where a child, uh, she had screen memories as well, which I think is what those rabbits were, of course. Uh, you know, the uh, people will see owls, they'll see dewy-eyed deers. There, there, there's certain, certain images that seem to pop up pretty, pretty commonly. Uh, and and in, in, in just since I heard about your case, Susan... I mean, I've asked around. I, I, I spoke with Kathleen Martin uh, just about a week ago, and she was telling me that that's actually a thing, that there are a few different cases where people have seen large jackrabbits. Uh, another guy in uh, in New Mexico, a friend of mine, Russell Asbel, he's another MUFON field investigator. Great guy, smart guy. And uh, he had uh, he's had some anomalous experiences, but he's seen... Uh, at one point, he didn't think that it was a giant rabbit. He felt like it was a screen memory. But anyway, this, sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. This girl that was healed, uh, she had a, a, 
she she had cystic fibrosis, which would have killed her when she had hit puberty. And mm. uh, she had been bedridden most of her life. The The family lived in kind of a rural, the, the, the father was a park ranger, and they lived on the edge of a, of a national park. And she and her brother, they, there was a UFO sighting that the whole family had. And then she and her her older brother saw these lights outside and they went to the window and, and it happened the first night. And it was what you would call, you know, kind of your proverbial orb or spherical. I mean, that it, it wasn't a craft. It was just they were maybe a foot across. Mm -hmm. um, well, the next night, the same thing. They saw these lights moving around in the backyard, like will-o'-the-wisp phenomenon back historically. Uh, she got got to the window, which was difficult for her because she was bedridden. She opened the window to watch these orbs playing around, and they looked like smiley faces. I mean, that was the screen image she was given, I, wow. I guess, not to scare her. But this little girl was absolutely totally healed. I mean, I spoke with her. I spoke with her brother. I spoke with her mother, who's now, you know, in, in her, I believe, early 90s. She was like 90, 91. Uh, but they all told the same story, that she had a fatal disease and it was healed. So um, the next day she woke up, she had like this scab over her face, came from her nose. And the mom had to get it off with hot compresses and noticed that for the first time in her life, her lungs sounded perfectly clear. Wow. So that sort of thing happens. And maybe, you know, I mean, we oftentimes, you know, write off. It's like, you know, I was abducted by aliens. What the heck did they do? And I mean, the ovary thing, that's terrible that that happened. But maybe, well, I, I mean, maybe the appendix would have killed you, you know, if they hadn't done something and interceded. If I may, just just so in relationship to uh, Susan's story, it's it's sort of got a couple of different time frames, and and what I mean by that is is Susan's story really didn't come, and Susan, I'm not wanting to speak for you, but from my perspective, didn't really come to light until years later. Mm -hmm. And so and part of what Susan mentioned and, and, and Preston put in his book and a couple others is the fact that there was a, an extreme amount of pain, abdominal pain in association with the radiation burns and the missing right. time and the confusion. Right. And then these other things happen. But I think it would probably benefit a lot of folks if Susan would get to maybe around 2021, 2022, when the light came on. And then the things that she actually did find out that happened on those days in Grand Junction, first in Cedar City or right outside of Enoch, Utah, all the way over to Grand Junction, 340 miles, nine hours missing, you know, coming out of the sky. That may bring some more uh, understanding and clarity as to what she actually did find out that she did go through. Because there's a lot there that is pretty significant time in the ship interaction with a, 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 mm. a humanoid or an alien or whatever you yep. want to and some of the other stories. Yep. So Susan, I, I think that's probably pretty important information too. So yes. Mm. Thank you. So, <clears throat> so what happened is I just kind of kept all this to myself. And then um, I went through a divorce in 2013 that took me down really hard in a really dark road. 
And I had uh, some PTSD from the Navy that I had always stuffed down also. And uh, what happened is I was working at my desk one day and I just literally heard it in my head, go look up UFO. And so I got my iPad and I went to Amazon because, you know, UFO. I, I was thinking movie and there it was. It was John Yost's movie. Mm -hmm. um, alien Abduction uh, Answers. And I saw it. It had just come out. It was May 3rd. And I bought the movie, which I don't usually do. And in the first 17 seconds, it just... I mean, I literally had to get out of my chair and go lay on the bed. It put me in the fetal position. I was crying. It was I was having flashbacks. I went back and watched a couple more minutes of the movie. I, I couldn't do it. I had to put it away for a minute. I kept going back. Little by little by little, I saw the whole story. It probably took two days. I, I've never done this. I don't even know why I even thought it was okay, but I contacted John Yost hmm. because I didn't know what else to do. And I thought, well, if he's got the answers, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find them. Hmm. So uh, I contacted John, and he contacted me right back. It was just amazing. He was so kind and generous and um, told me how courageous I was for coming forward and then he sent me to Deb Shakti and she was in the movie with him and she had done his uh, uh, hypnotherapy his regression and uh, changed his life so I contacted Deb I scheduled it uh, I was worried about about my internet because we were doing deep hypnosis so I actually went to a, a, my friend's hotel in Bodega Bay so that it had good internet and it didn't get interrupted because my joke was if you see me out on the in the out in the road or in the lawn acting like a chicken then you need to come out and help me <laughs> because I was getting ready to go under hypnosis and you know I was a little worried and I loved Dan but I, that's what I told him and he just thought that was hilarious but we had no trouble with the internet thank goodness and uh, well I think once it popped on but it popped back on she put me under deeply after we just talked about it a little bit for two hours and took me back to standing in the road with Karen and then told me I, I was going to be the reporter and I was going to report to her. So all I had to do is just tell her what I saw. And it was a very comfortable place. And um, I traveled in a bubble. That's how I got there on the trip. And we went up into the craft. And I don't remember seeing Karen, but I asked many times, for her and they kept telling me not with their mouth but in my head Karen's on her own journey and she's going to be just fine she's having her own adventure hmm. so you know there's not a whole lot you can do what are you going to do argue because there's a gray alien standing right beside you and uh, I remember everything was very fuzzy and the only way I I've never played video games but it reminded me of a hologram uh, where the all everything blends in together there's no straight lines in, and the room is curved and I'm sitting on something with my feet hanging down but I don't think it's connected to anything and the alien standing right here and I thought in my head I oh, I really want to touch him but oh, it's kind of gross and 
in my head he said you can touch me uh, so i just ran my finger down you know like right down the arm and it was a long creepy arm and it felt uh the only thing i it felt like um dolphin skin but it had the texture of that thin packing foam very thin packing foam so when you ran your finger down it and you pushed a little pressure on it which I was surprised because I thought my finger would go through it but it didn't I literally could touch it and um, I pulled my finger away and I was like Ugh! and it said not ooh I am just like you you are just like me we are just alike because I was thinking, cringing as soon as he said it, it was like, oh. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, there's always a part of me like, I don't think so. Because I just wasn't quite sure. But it, I do remember um, in hypnosis how it almost is like a lucid dream. That you can kind of mm -hmm. reason. You see it. You reason a little bit. Um there were these railings inside that had these flashing. That's part of the movie that when John was talking about it, man, it just like freaked me out because I've had those flashings ever since 1978 with those memories pop, 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 falling from the sky, jackrabbits ending up over here, burns, you know, those memories. And then all those little ones inside. So it was when you were in hypnosis, it's almost like, you're remembering the memory of remembering. So you've always got that memory. But you tap into it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. So um, it, it, it was videotaped. It was kind of shocking. But I, I, I saw other times that I had been taken other than just that time. It's like I saw pieces of memories. One time I lost a shoe in the desert. It showed me how that shoe ended up a, a, a mile away. And it completed that story since 1977 or 78 when it happened. So um, hypnosis was amazing. And knowing you were there and remembering part of that nine hours don't think I could tell you everything, but I think I, I got enough that I know what happened. And I'm not sure I need to know anymore, but the good thing about it all is Karen and I found each other again after years of not being able to talk. And what tore us up brought us back together. So now she's the first one to ever say, so what was it, Susan? What was it in the road? Because she didn't remember that. And then mm. when I went, it was, and she said, was it a gray alien? And I thought, oh, I can't believe you said it. But yes, that's what it was. It was just a creepy feeling. But it has just bonded us so deeply because um, she's starting to remember little things. And she's remembering them in her own words not my words that's what i love is you know she remembers the creepy hotel and um and somewhere in a photo album is this whole trip 
So we're still trying to find it, and she's unpacking from moving, and she's setting up a farm. So that's really kind of hard, and I don't want to say, you know, go find that photo, because nobody wants to dig through boxes when you're trying to set up a farm. In time, it will happen. But I've seen the photos, so I know she has them. And we're really hoping to find um, the burns on us because it was so obvious. And then I also have a, a big scoop. I, I think I sent you the picture, a big scoop out of my neck that um, sometimes it gets irritated, but it's round and it's a perfect round and it's got some weird, it almost looks like writing inside of it. Really? Uh, almost. Almost like two triangles with the points touching with the outside. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sent it so you, you can zoom in and look at it. Every time I take a picture of the neck, it ends up with orbs all around the picture. <laughs> I can't take it without getting orbs all over it. So you'll see them in the picture. But um, all those things, uh, having the regression made a huge difference. So shout out to John Yost. Mm -hmm. Amazing movie. It did exactly what you needed it to, and it healed me, and it healed me even more having hypnosis, and it healed me even more to reach out to Preston Dennett and for him to tell my story and let me tell it in my own words, which was beautiful, but I'm so, I'm so proud that he did that and so honored that he did that, and that was the first time the story's ever been told in public, so... Um, I, just, I would just like to add really quick um, that John Yost is g getting treated for cancer and he does have a GoFundMe. If anybody yeah. hears this, wants to help, you can find it on his page or my page, your page, Bob McGuire's page, and just anything will help. I just my figured page. I'd say it. Oh, Deb, Deb's page. Yeah. So, he's a good guy. Oh, yeah, awesome. if you even have five dollars to spare, just send it to him because it's going to keep him alive. And he's got some more work to do, believe me. And watch the movie if you can because it will change your life. Yeah, I just want to support the fact that the movie is a very significant piece for people who are experiencers, primarily experiencers. And I mean, he really used himself as a guide and his own issues and his own interactions and then all of the others. So it, it, it's one of those places. And, you know, many ufologists believe that the real story about ufology is not the nuts and bolts. It's actually the people who interact with the phenomena mm -hmm. itself. And in that, you can see that. And, you know, Whitley Strieber just finished a book and, and put it out called Them. And yep. Whitney's book besides the communion and all his other great works, speak of his trying, as all, as all of us are trying to understand them. And so, uh, again, John's movie was really good. Whitney's book is, is very good. And, and, and Susan's story is an example of that. Yes. Wow. His courage started all this. John's courage started all of this for me and for many others. I'm not the only one that got that message and that healing from that movie. But me being able to talk about it for the first time in 45 years, I can't even tell you how it's changed my life. Because I can manifest again. And, and this is really weird. It didn't just get rid of the trauma from, from that incident. 
It got rid of the divorce trauma. It got rid of childhood trauma. It got rid of all the trauma in me. And it just opened me back up to love again. I feel joy again. It got rid of most of my PTSD. I'm dealing with that with a little bit with the VA right now. That's it. It has changed my life to where I, I, sometimes I could go a week without speaking. I would be so depressed and, and quiet and withdrawn. That's mm -hmm. never been who I am. But uh, And this longing for a home that I had no idea even where it was. But I got it. it <laughs> I think I wrote, I wrote y'all what this is going to like when you're going to understand this. I'm able to manifest again. And for the first time, I found a home where I've been looking for 10 years. And I'm going home December 1st, December 1st, back Good. to the coast, out of the woods, healed up. It all started with that movie, John Yost hmm. and Debs and Preston, then to Earl Grey, then to Richard. So do you see it? It does take a village, but I'm so much better and brand new because of it. Good. So, wow. yeah. And Earl knew exactly what to do when he got it. He knew exactly who to send it to. It was so perfect. I did. It was so funny. You know, uh, when, when your case came in, Susan, I, I you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm going jackrabbits, and and our our, our boss at, at at New Fund CRT, it's Dr. George Medich, and he he's a character, and he he he's kind of a serious guy. He is major league baseball player, and he was the hot New York Mets uh, pitcher back in the eight, you know, late seventies, mm -hmm. early eighties. Went on to become an orthopedic surgeon, and now he runs the Experiencer Resource Team. But he's looking, you know, we're both looking at this thing. It's like jackrabbits. It's like, <laughs> I know exactly who to put on this. You know, I'm going to put my police detective <laughs> on it. I'll put my police detective on it. I've heard of stuff like this, George. So, you know, don't discount it real, you know, out of hand. Let's, uh, and uh, the more I looked at your case, the more I, I liked it. It was it just, there were so many markers there markers of abduction we we look for those you know and oftentimes there'll be five six i mean there uh, by the time i finished reading your narrative is like well i see like 20 different markers of, could you uh, contact could you tell everybody some of the markers so we know sure i mean well the missing time element yeah. uh the the trace uh the the radiation burns that she had the scoop mark Mm -hmm. uh the the strange the the way that her memory had been shifted to where she saw giant rabbits at first uh mm -hmm. that that's a thing the screen memory and screen images uh you oftentimes don't know what's actually there you know it could be something right. totally different than what you perceive uh the, it was just i i just kept on finding them and i knew that uh, richard was was a very good uh field investigator but early on, I thought, you know, he is—he was a detective. He was used to—he was a public servant. He was used to working mm -hmm. with people and interviewing people. He would be so good in the ERT. Oh my God! And Richard was the perfect—he was the perfect, mm -hmm. perfect field investigator for your case. And I, I think that your case is going to be—it's one of those iconic cases that's going to be brought up for, I, I think, probably many, many, many. It's, it's just one of those, there's so much that we learned about the phenomenon 
from your mm -hmm. case. And I'm so happy that your your life is so beautiful and so good now and that you kind of you found your groove again, you know. Um, I got my Susan back. You got That's your what Susan it is. back. I got my mm -hmm. Susan back. Yeah. But, you know, Dr. Medich and I, we both love it. I mean, I shared your case at the MUFON Symposium at the, uh, the ERT, the Experiencer Workshops that we have. And uh, it's, it's uh, I think it, that your case is, is uh, well, a little bird told me I'm not going to, I I don't have the choice on this, but I think that it may even be up for case of the year. It's that good of a case. I can't say that. But but I think it I, I do know that it is one of those my mind. that are being looked at that way. And and that's a huge honor and something that's meaningful, I think, that uh, wow. you and it, it's all because you came forth and you because you you were able to get past your fears and that you went to Preston, you went to John Yost, that you came to us. And mm -hmm. just like you said, it takes a village. I'm very proud and happy to be part of that village. So I know Richard is as well. <laughs> so I know that Richard found some information also. Can you share that, Richard, the other cases that you found? Um, well, so one of the things that we do find is, is that there were some similar reports around the same time in the same area of similar craft and similar experiences. So for instance, uh, eight hours earlier in Arizona uh, to the Southern part of Arizona, just North of where Yuma was, there was a guy traveling on 95 and his daughter was in the passenger seat and it was uh, early in the morning and he saw a light and the light came down and it apparently traveled next to him for about a quarter mile and it scared his daughter mm -hmm. and it was a craft. That's what they said when they reported it. And this was contemporaneous to the time and place and event. So we look for markers, a number of markers too, is as Susan hasn't mentioned, but there was some, there was a previous incident of abduction uh, that she didn't yeah. speak of that happened in Anza Borrego, which was near where I just told you uh, also, there was times when she was a youngster, and sometimes it could be very young, two, three, or four, or five. And when you start to look at these things, um, usually we find most abductions are not necessarily by accident. Some are, obviously, but uh, there is a great, good number of them that they've experienced similar things in the past, whether it was just visitation, whether it was something was checking them out. They hear things, they see things, often children you know, they have stuffed animals, something's in their closet, something wants to play with them. We even had manifestations, to be honest with you. I just had a lady three days ago said her husband, when he was 30, he was playing tennis and they saw a light come down between him and a guy that they were playing tennis with in, in Ohio. And next thing you know, two guys come out of the desert and play tennis in the next uh, court from them. They look raggedy, they look tall, they were awkward. Mm -hmm. And so wow. this manifestation hmm. of them trying to come down to interact with us, mm -hmm. um, there was another one similar to Susan's up in Westlake Village where the girl was riding down a hill on her bicycle. The kid comes around from the back of the house, tall, skinny, big feet, look awkward on the bike, wow. wanted to also go down the hill. 
but it scared her. Her mm-hmm. intuition said, I don't understand why his head's that big. He looks like maybe he, well, deformed or maybe he was burned or, or something scared her. Mm-hmm. So what we do find, and, and, and this is one of the markers that we found with Susan, is, is there was some previous stuff. And there's been some subsequent right. stuff as a result right. of that. So there's all, not only missing time, burn, unaccountable uh, uh, memories, fear, uh, you know, sickness. And then the thing that she mentioned about the subsequent uh, uh, surgery she had, she doesn't ever remember, as she's told me, that she ever had any surgery. And yet somebody right. told her that she was missing an ovary. And then somebody told her that there were sutures on the inside, not sutures, but some kind of sealant and a package from the right. inside. Wow. And so all that the belief is, is, is when she was abducted, they were doing some work back then because this is one of the reasons that she was so sick for such a long time. Anybody with appendicitis or gallstones or any of those other things understand the sickness and pain that you go through. And so the belief is, is these folks, whoever they are, uh, you know, want to help some. And in Susan's case, the belief was, is they, they, they probably did some medical uh, surgery, which is, consistent with some prior cases that they they do get involved in those things so hopefully that's that amazing helps. yeah and i remember preston had also sent me uh it was you and preston had sent me a case uh w- within just a couple hours i think it was the same day right before it happened to us uh, a man was traveling i think it was south on 15 and saw he pulled over to the side along with a whole lot of other people and they were all watching it and it was a tremendous ship now that had to be what was over us because it was so big it blocked out the moon and the stars it had to be huge so when i read that i thought you know that makes sense and and the man specifically said when he was on the side of the highway and everybody was talking about it then they just got in the carts and drove off and he was wondering why didn't they talk to me about it like why didn't we exchange numbers because that was weird they all had seen it but yet they all seemed to have some kind of oh well and just go on and that was one of the cases that that MUFON had and so I was so blown away that all of that had happened within a couple of hours of that happening to us so um it makes me wonder who else got beamed up and did anybody else get taken. And I saw where Bob had asked a question a minute ago, but I don't remember seeing anybody else on the ship. Not at any time. Because I kept wanting to see Karen, but I, they wouldn't let me see Karen. Wow. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was driving on uh, Route 40, which is like a mini highway in Maryland. And it was nighttime, and there was a huge cloud, and all of a sudden, a helicopter flew next to the cloud and shined its spotlight on it, and inside the cloud was this massive ship. It was so big. I only saw a part of it, the underbelly, and it looked like it was dark, like a black metal, and it looked like pipes intertwining with each other, but the pipes were as wide as the body of the helicopter. And I, my friend was with me, and I remember we drove under it, and I don't remember driving home. She doesn't remember any of it. I just remember, I don't even remember going to bed, really. I think the next day I remember. It was just, so a lot of weird ship things happen over roads. 
Did you I'm report so, it? No, I didn't. I so I. It's only been a year I've been out about everything I've gone through. I didn't know who to go to, and also I felt very numb. Like I have anxiety in general all the time, yep. but with this, numb, completely numb. Numb. And have it was you thought like about reporting it. I, I wouldn't mind. It was amazing. It really was because it had little fireballs. That's what, that's why I got on the road because there were little fireballs and we got scared. So because those those some of the things that you're mentioning are indicative of some other behaviors and some characteristics as Earl had mentioned, and so it's it's left entirely up to you. But if you are interested, you should think about reporting it uh, to move on. And and when you talk, and this is the thing that Susan can tell you. One of the things that we try to do is the very first thing is to talk about it, to let it out, especially mm -hmm. if you trust. Now, that's probably one of the things you de I detected initially with Susan and others. They don't want to share this stuff. They're embarrassed. They don't they think they're crazy. Yeah. People talk, especially if they've been hiding it for years, because what's happened is the people who are close to them, their family have made fun of them or told them don't think that way. So the aerial school, the 1994 aerial school incident, if you remember in Zimbabwe, they yeah. made fun of all those kids. They sure yep. did. Kids are still dealing with the fact that the Catholic Church, and again, it has nothing only to do with them, but it's the fact, no, you didn't see that. You didn't think that. You right. didn't believe that. And so mm -hmm. usually what we find is, is if you've had experiences like that, there may be some other, but the first thing is to get it out. And to get with a bunch of other groups of folks and realize you're not crazy, is not you, you could have experienced something pretty much that a lot of other folks have experienced. And then we begin to look at what can we do? Talk. In Susan's case, one of the biggest things that we talked about is drawings. And I wish you had the ability to show the drawings because that visualization of her ascending and descending and the I rabbit. Picked it. Oh, Grizzly can put them up. It's yeah, I'm pulling them up right the diner, now. The diner, all that shows people, hey, oh, my God. Not only that, it may spark them. Right. Oh, and, you know, because 1977, 1978, 1979 were huge, huge time yeah. for flaps. There was a big flap in 1973, a flap being a major, a, a lot of UFO encounters and sightings and abductions and stuff. So I would yeah. encourage you, Lala, to... To think about it, but that's something personal to you. Only do that if that's what you wish. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it helped other people. I've got a couple other pretty interesting ones. I just didn't think. I've always been really shy, so that's a big thing too. So, but I wouldn't yeah. mind doing that. It's scary coming it. forward. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it it was scary for me. I mean, I I was interviewed. You know, I mean. I, I told my story on ancient aliens, the, the opportunity came up wow. and I had to ask my wife, you know, and everybody else. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that the conversation around the Thanksgiving dinner will be different with the in-laws and stuff. You know, <laughs> are you comfortable with me doing this? And I don't know, there was, there was fear factor for it until, you know, there it is. until I did it. But now I'm just very happy to be out. That's good. That's good. the one. That is Susan's. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one I drew. Because that's how you, it have the rab you have the rabbit one there, uh, Grizzly Chris? Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Because that's the, the one I just prior. That's the one just prior to this in sequence. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Was there another rabbit one, the one actually Susan drew? 
That's I believe pretty. that's the one yeah. uh, was that's used yeah. uh, <laughs> that I did for the symposium. It's beautiful. That's uh, that's the only three I have. Okay. All right. Oh, let me take a look real quick while you guys are talking. Because uh, so the reason the reason it was easier to handle talking to Richard too is because as my investigators because my dad was a cop and my brother was a cop and I trusted him to know. Um, at first, I I thought it was odd that he wasn't an experiencer himself, but then it felt he's very easy and it was very comfortable to just finally just spill it and he asked the questions that drew the right answers that that I had never really said some of those things so that's why it takes an investigator to after all these years what he asked me is not necessarily what I asked myself and it was very helpful to be able to talk to him about it so and you do have to trust because just like Lala said you know I'm I, I, I'm very much an extrovert but I'm an introvert with that kind of information mm -hmm. because it's that's me falling from the sky right that there so next wow. one is the rabbits I yeah. saw them three can you go to the next one that's the rabbit first oh my gosh the other mm -hmm. one is the one that when they turned around and they changed and they were going up mm -hmm. yep wow this is us standing in front of the car we have no clue why we got out of the car. We laugh. Karen and I laugh at ourselves. And then, like, would we do that? And and she's like, oh, heck no. We would just plow right through them in this day and time. Because it would be scary to stop. And the fact that we stopped right. on the road just is never saw another car. But you could see how wide it is there. And that mm -hmm. ship covered everything to where the moon and the stars were just gone. Pitch wow. inky black except yeah. the headlights and and i was very aware of imminent danger you know that feeling it was like the fight or flight and we just froze but something else was going on in our head um our thinking had changed and we were just frozen when we saw mm -hmm. the jackrabbits but we were really frozen when they turned around and that white light came on the music shut off, the car shut off. That was just, you just can't forget that creepiness. Wow. And it's this amazing picture. I, I love that. So. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how yeah, powerful I, I, they are compared to us, you know? Yeah. The things they can yeah. do. Well, it was so weird. What was so weird, too, is that until just uh, just last year when Karen said, were they, and I couldn't still speak it, even though I had written it, but I couldn't speak it very well. And she said, alien grace. And I was like, ah, yes, that's it. That's it. And from then on, I've been able to say it. Still gives me a little goosebumps, but I can still say it for the first time. And they, they move real slow and jerky like this. Not, not smooth, but... Interesting. Kind of, yeah. It, it, and some of them were squunched down with their knees. But, you know, they had total jackrabbit bodies. Muscly jackrabbit bodies. With gigantic ears. And when the ears disappeared, that was freaky. Because I remember screaming, you know, where's the jackrabbits? And the, the moon and the stars were in their eyes. 
So I could never figure out how they were reflecting the moon and stars when we could not see them. Are you, are you RH negative blood? No, A positive. Okay. I was wondering. Yeah. Either O, o negative, that's the other one. Well, I'm O negative, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's I, my wife. And I think my yeah. mom was O negative. Oh, my God. I think to this day that the. Go ahead. Well, yeah, there's just, a very dramatic thing about. Sorry, Richard, I'll shut up in a second. It, there's something almost choreographed about uh, cases like this, where uh, there's something emotional about it, there's something dramatic about it, there's even a beauty in it, you know. I mean, the stars reflected in the rabbit's eyes and the universe there. Right. I mean, it's the deeper that you go into cases like your own uh but primarily i mean your case is such a wonderful example it, it, it's almost like this bottomless well and, and and there's so much that we can learn from that and understand from that and there's so much emotion in there. i'll shut up sorry richard <laughs> so one, one of the things that and there was a number of aspects to susan's case a lot like a, a lot of others, and Allah, you may be surprised how similar maybe yours is, but one of the things that Susan said when we were talking, and again, I, I went all over the place to try to get some stuff, but she definitely mentioned, and this is where a lot of people have some issues, as she did, a lot of what she said was flashes, and what I mean by that is there wasn't tangible, and you could was it real or was it? When am, am I making it up? Did I see a TV thing? You know, they, we start telling ourselves these things, but then some of the things start coming out. And um, one of the things that she said I thought was interesting, and it's only because I've heard it from others and or read it or seen it, but when she was saying uh, ooh, to the ugh to the skin of the being that she was looking at didn't want to look at in the face but the skin and i remember writing it down she and she said "Ooh, like uh and the being heard it or felt it and said back to her what do you mean it's you you're i'm you and you are me wow. and i thought what and she said i'm you and you he says you were me he was saying or she whoever that was you're touching yourself wow. Wow. And and I and again wow. I think Susan was saying, well, I can't fathom or understand what that means, as she said earlier, but that's significant because those are things that, that Earl has mentioned are things that we that resonate and that are consistent with other experiencers. By the way, mm -hmm. people who are traumatized don't need to make stuff up. Okay. Right. If they're scared and yeah. there's fear and there's things going on. Once you get past your own hurdle and you start to trust a little and you start to right. say some things and share some things, then all of a sudden people are saying, well, I know or I understand or I've heard. And mm -hmm. that sort of resonates back to the person like a mirror that they're not crazy. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's important yeah. work. Yeah, but also, Richard, with your law enforcement experience background, there's articulated words that you look for. Yes. And you also can read Absolutely. body language and micro expressions. Absolutely. And there are key phrases that you look for when you interview a person in how they state and articulate phrases to you. And There's I'm not no going to, yeah, yes. I'm not going to say too much because whoever can watch your show, I don't want them to learn that. Yeah. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And we, we use that 
to right help on. us. And I use yes. that for people to come on my show and also guests as well. I use that right. techniques and I probably got over 2,500 interviews in my lifetime right. uh, on the force and probably in, in the civilian world. And, uh, and I've got a lot of certifications with a lot of the three letter agencies, probably like you have as well. And uh, it's once you learn it, uh, you lose a lot of good friends. And, uh, and that's why I got divorced. So, wow. yeah, and you, know, you know, it's funny that you say that. One of the other things is somebody told me when I was a little boy, um, you know, it's just talking to folks and it's just being real with folks. That's Aside it. from being analytical, as you said, we, we call that behavioral, you know, study. And, and, but it's really just being it's talking to folks. And this stuff, the, the folks who are telling this stuff, they, they they don't have time to play games and all that. Usually it's like pulling a lung out or pulling a, uh, an ovary out you know, so and pulling your leg. They don't need much help. They just need encouragement and trust. So that you're right. Correct. And as a, like you said, our work, we have to gain their trust. And once we gain their trust, and especially if we don't gain their trust for the other side, then they become manipulative. And that's another way of understanding yes. what they're doing and not doing. So you're right about that. Yeah. And, you know, in the first stage in, in, in our business uh, is always building that rapport. And that's yes, the most sir. important. And if you don't have that, then you don't have anything to go off of. Yes, sir. That's so and, and and I knew once you said law enforcement, I was like, man, he has one heck of a report. I wish I could read it. Right. <laughs> it, I love to see I love to see other officers articulation in the words they use. Uh uh, my officers hated me because I'm the one that did all the reports and had the red pen and on the CAD system. Like, nope, kick it back. <laughs> so I've been there, done it. You know, yeah, I, 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 when I was on county, I used to damn you, lieutenant, with that red pen back then. But anyways, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, but uh, you, I know that uh, you got uh, Earl. You got a good man right there. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We have a pretty I'm really thrilled team. that it went the way it did. I just love that the fact that it went to Earl because I had no clue who was going to see this. And all I thought is, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm crazy. But but they deal with that every day. And Richard right. never once made me feel crazy. He literally just asked the right questions that made me understand even more so what had happened to me. Because I remember when I touched that gray it had this stinky, cheesy smell. Um, really? Oh, wow. Wow. Like stinky, wow. stinky, like rotten, cheesy something. Wow. Yeah, it just was a stinky smell. And I was very aware of that. And it was so weird because I remembered that. But yet, under hypnosis, I knew I had known it. But remembering wow. it was like, ah, pew, you know. So occasionally now, I mean, where I live is like wine country. There's like cheeses, handmade cheeses everywhere. And I love stinky cheese. But sometimes I come across one that it's just like, no, get away from it. Because I'm not going to tell you that just, it makes me go, ah, ah, because it reminds me wow. of that. Just, so it just goes right through my brain. So do you like yeah. blue cheese then, right? I love blue cheese. It's yes. that stinky extra Parmesan that I can't yeah. handle. <laughs> it's, I don't even know it's a stinky cheese, but that's, that was, 
that's almost even like a little bit of cardboardy stinky cheese. Well, you I know what, Susan? Every time I eat my cheese, Wait. I'm going to see your face now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I am. I'm going to be like, Susan. I know. I was going to have some start. blue cheese dressing when we yeah. finished up here. I have homemade stuff. I waiting for me. I don't so, know. Lala, if, pick something else. <laughs> if, if you would put in a report, Lala, then you're going to find an investigator is going to ask you questions that makes you remember so many things that had just little details that had slipped your mind from when that happened. So. Mm -hmm. Think about it because it's uh it's not as intimidating as I thought. It actually just was a part of the release and process that was so beautiful to know that the true story that happened to you in your own words is out there and nobody can change that. I have a it's question. The truth of it. Say somebody knows they might happen to have a chip in their leg that shouldn't be there. It I'm not gonna like Mufa's not gonna be like, you need to come with us right now. They're not gonna do that right. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> There's no. a whole lot we can do no. about people okay. that have, you know, implants put in. I mean, the time was, you know, uh, uh, I mean, there's there's ways you have to ask your doctor to do it. If you go to your doctor and you try to get your insurance to pay for them to yeah, extract yeah. an alien, yeah, uh, tractor <laughs> that's in you, they're not going to do it. Machine. But you can say, yeah. I, I feel like I've got a foreign object in the back of my leg or wherever it is. And then ask the doctor, ask the surgeon, hey, could you please, please, when patho once pathology is done with it, please, I want to keep whatever that was. And okay. then you have that way you have the evidence and, and and MUFON actually does have a lab and they can they can go and scientifically uh, examine that for you and find out what's what with it. What? So you know one of the there's a book by Dr. Lear. Yeah, about that's what I was trying to think of. He's gone now. Influence. He's no longer yeah. with us. It's a very very good book. And if you don't want to read the book, go online. There's there's stories that Dr. Lear and documentaries did that. He talked about implants and removing them. And oh, yeah, they would move. But yeah, they move. When he tried yeah, to the, the radio frequencies and yeah, frequency magnetics, if you yes. put some sort of magnet. So there's a number of things that you could do. But I, I think what Susan was saying is a good point. I, Lala, I would find somebody I trust first, <laughs> whatever that means to you. MUFON is very good because it's a concentrated form and they could put you with the right person. But if, if people, if you don't want to do that, then find somebody you trust. But And there's groups out there. There's, there's, there is groups out there who are, as the movie, and the movie is important, the abduction, alien abduction answers talks about that. There's groups out there. And that's where you should feel. And then all these questions, nightmares, implants, you know, some people have lost, you know, they, sadly to say they've had miscarriages and that whole part of that scenario that's yeah. gone down and, and everything that's gone on with that. But anyway, find somebody, if you wish, that you trust. Okay, thank Opus, you. they're very good. If you look up Opus, yeah. Les Velez, he oh, I uh, love him. Yeah. runs Opus. Yeah. He's, yeah. And, and I, I send a lot of experiencers there if they feel like they, you know, have a, a burning desire for for a support group, and many people do, uh, that's one of the places I send them. Um, okay. You know, this is the two things we'll offer people is, is if they want to be hypnotically regressed, we have a list of vetted hypnotherapists. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it's not offered through MUFON. In fact, we'll send you the little caveat and the little, you know, disclaimer that you, this is out of pocket and, and these people are private practitioners. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but we do have a vetted list. Um, and, and also we have a list of support groups and there's a few of them. I know Gwen Farrell has one wonderful, wonderful group. Uh, even Kathleen Martin and Denise Stoner and those guys have one. So, and they're online, some of them. Yep. Yep. Okay. They're all Zoom. That's yeah, they're you, on you Zoom. Don't have to, that's yeah. right. And that's what Earl, that's the benefit of what Earl was saying. You, you, you don't have, we could do the same thing we're doing here and talking to people yep. who've been through the same thing. So that would be nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to butt in. I was just wondering. Well, it's funny that you mentioned an implant because last week, you can hear my voice is kind of messed up. I'm having bad sinuses. And they did a, a CT of my sinuses, and I was biting at the bit. I was thinking, oh, I hope they don't find anything. Because I've mm. never had that done. And they did not, and I was so happy. Because <laughs> oh, I sure wow. didn't want to have to explain or go through yeah. anything else like that. Enough's enough. <laughs> Could you imagine? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so just... Uh. But here's something else that's interesting. I have a... a a mental health therapist through the VA who has helped me through the PTSD. And she told me when I finally outed to her, to which I never thought that I'd be able to, and she's a PhD from Berkeley, I could just tell her everything. And she watched my show with Preston when I came out on my cool. first, and she wrote me a note that was the most beautiful note. And I felt mm. like it's, it was the most healing thing because what she said to me was what I wish my mother had said to me my whole life. That she was proud that I had come forward to say this and that she has other patients wow. that had gone through experiences and she wasn't quite sure what to do with them. And it was such a full circle moment. And I told her all about this, but I literally talked to her on the phone after that that first night on YouTube with Preston and um, told her resources, Opus and um, UAP Med Coalition. They're great. They're great. They're they something for the doctors to be able to use as resources. And she was th so thrilled. It was like a child with a new toy to her because you know, it's it, it, it's so hard. Even I, I compared it to teachers trying to go to summer school just to keep up with the ADHD teaching and all the children that are on spectrum these days. And it, it just grows constantly and there's no place to go to keep up with it. And she was so thrilled as a therapist to have resources to go. And um, I'm going to talk to her Thursday. She's, it, it's so wonderful that you could have somebody to really spill it to and not have repercussions. Mm. And uh, so special. that's been really amazing. The fact that I could turn her on to resources that she needs to help other people with this. Yeah, and I'm really glad great. that there's something out there. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I mean, earlier we were talking, or I guess I was, that it seemed almost choreographed and, and almost like this dance or, or something, the way that everything happened for you guys in this very dramatic thing. Mm -hmm. But the way that you found your peace and the way that this was, you know, 
revealed to you. There's also sort of this drama and almost like this greater hand and all that too, the way that you went to John Yost and Preston and the wonderful job that he did and, and such a compassionate and wonderful researcher Preston is. Uh, just great respect for that guy. And then you came to us. It was like, bam, bam, bam. And it was just, yeah. wow, so wonderful. Yep. And I, I, I consider Susan like a success, definitely a success story for all of us. Thank and for you. her mostly. For She's the one that did it, you know. Hmm. I have changed my whole life. And it's taken every one of you. Hmm. And everybody had such an intricate part to bring me right here. So I appreciate that so moving. much. <laughs> so, someone in the chat room a little while ago asked if the radiation still messes with your health now. Do you know? um, I've got an autoimmune, but this is quite unusual. Since I let all this out in this last year, I've got a negative ANA, which means hmm. it's either gone or it's just quiet right now. Wow. And I'm really feeling much better Fantastic. than I have in forever. I think mm -hmm. part of that's just healing yourself and healing your mind. Mm -hmm. And then it takes on, you know, the fact that I can speak about it is the most healing thing. Um, I can't even think of any anything that I've ever done that I mean, of course, other than having my kids in a beautiful marriage for 36 years, but I think that this is a completely different chapter. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make the end of my life much better and happier because it's already done that. Um, I do feel like mm -hmm. it's been 360. And, and it's funny, it all started May 3rd with John, so it's been a, about a year and a half, so... Just like you, Lala, this has been one heck of a year. Well, yep. Oh, my God. Yes. Absolutely. But it's beautiful. Right. I was going to say it's exciting. Yeah, it is. And, I, yeah. and more, more things happen now that we're kind of out and open with it, which is also exactly. interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've had my superpowers back. I can manifest. And yeah. um, that is something that happened after that night. In 1978, I did have a lot of precognizance. I've always had that. Um, but it's come on real strong again. And I'm really enjoying it, actually. Instead of being wow. afraid of it and, sh and shutting it off. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, awesome. I just can't thank y'all enough. And. If, if anybody's doubting having hypnosis, don't doubt yourself because if you're already thinking about it, you probably should do it. Because like I said, it didn't just clear up the, ex the trauma of the experience. It cleared up everything. Every pile of crap in my past is gone. There's none. It's just a and the fact that I can really feel love again and give love again and not hold any hard feelings about anybody and um, it, that's a, a healing in itself. Miraculous. Believe me. <laughs> I agree. Carol, yeah. how do people get a hold of MUFON? You go to MUFON.com uh, If you go to the MUFON website, 
uh, right on that frontis page, there are two little buttons. One says report a UFO. The other one says report an abduction or an entity. Uh, if what Susan has been speaking about sounds familiar to you out there and listenership, uh, hit that second button and uh, somebody in your region, because we work regionally, we work state by state, uh, will get a hold of you and uh, and uh, set up an interview with you. And uh, I, I'm very, very proud to be part of such a compassionate group as the MUFON ERT. You know, MUFON is about, it is about uh, studying UFOs and collecting data, but the ERT is a little different. You know, we're there to help experiencers uh, kind of deal with what they've gone through. And uh, I definitely connected with it because there was, there wasn't really an active, there was an ERT when I had my experience, but they had just kind of gotten rolling at that time. And it wasn't, you had to sort of be sent to them by your field investigator. If, if, if an abduction came up during your case, like a normal MUFON case, mm -hmm. then they would send you to the ERT. Now you don't have to wait for anybody to send you. You can click the button and send yourself. And somebody like myself or Richard uh, we'll get a hold of you and uh, we'll do our best. What we're compassionate listeners, not judgmental. Uh, we don't decide if your case is true, false, or whatever. Uh, that's not what we're there to do. We're not there to collect information or data from you. We are there as compassionate and caring listeners. Awesome. That's what we do. Awesome. Richard, any last words, sir? No, uh, it's a really good uh, uh, way to you know, study something that I think we've all had questions about and even bigger ant questions that we have. And is it related? And, and you know, um, MUFON has that aspect of sure nuts and bolts, you know, propulsion and all that. But again, part of the phenomena, too. It is. You know? <laughs> but but MUFON's also recognized, as other ufologists have recognized, it's, it's all about a lot bigger than that. And they're all about a lot bigger than that. And I think we're all a, a lot bigger than that. So I've really enjoyed my time. And, and you know, it's all about each other. We're all about each other. That's what it's about. And, you know, you pass it on and, and you just one day at a time, you know. Yeah. Susan, any last words from you? And thank you for sharing your story. <clears throat> thank you. Um, no, I just don't want anybody to be afraid to go to move on because I was shaking. I remember I was shaking, trembling. But it just got easier and easier. And once I read it, and then it was less than 48 hours until uh, Richard reached out. And um, it, it, it has just been amazing. So don't let it intimidate you. Just do it and just tell them everything because nobody's judging you. And um, it's really important to just go there because through that, you will find out so much more than just your experience you'll find out everything that happened that day around you because i can guarantee it'll be something that's happened in that same area all right yeah. lala what <laughs> um sorry yeah thank you everybody this was so nice you you guys are so wonderful i really i'm very grateful that you came on thank you thank you Lala. Yes, thank you, everybody. And from coast to coast and around the world, we'll see you on the next show, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Grizzly. Thank you all. Good to see you, Richard. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thanks, Earl. Thanks, Lala. Bye.
Thank I agree. You. Bye. Good night, John Boy, Mary Ellen. The Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah! That was